Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Michael Huslin, and although I am most associated with Batman, I'm here to let you know you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Hi, I'm Underline, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. <laughs> Hi, I'm Danny Fingeroff, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Eddie Wilson and Peter Melnick, because Eddie Wilson is sick of being second bill. So we're putting Eddie Wilson first. What the hell with that Peter Melnick? He owes me money. That guy's terrible. I can't stand that Peter Melnick. Eddie Wilson, though, he's the greatest guy in the world. You should break up. I'm, I'm sorry, Peter Melnick has been holding you. Which one is which? That's not Eddie. I'm not even Eddie Wilson. Eddie's well, I'm telling you, Peter Melnick has been holding both you guys back. I think it's time you went out on your own and sued the fuck out of him. Oh, wow. Sorry. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> Howdy folks, welcome to The Marvelous, the Marvel Universe podcast. My name is John Sherburn and I'm filling in for Eddie and Peter today as we talk to you about some really interesting stuff in the world of comics. Uh, on the coattails of a very important date, we put a little episode together with some interviews that um, the boys took recently with a couple different people. Before I get in on that, spoil everything, um, I want to talk to you guys about how you can get a hold of us at home if you want to listen to the podcast if you're listening to this you're already doing a good job but just to you know keep everything above board first i'm going to get into the social medias so if you want to find marvelous you can find us on facebook on instagram and on twitter at the marvelous yes just like the title if you'd like to get a hold of peter you can find him on twitter at peter melnick you can find him on instagram at peter melnick and you can find him on facebook at peter melnick podcaster want to get a hold of Eddie, the only place to really do that is to find him at Eddie9193 on Instagram. Uh, they post a ton of great stuff. Our uh, Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter is full of we got nice theme days, we post nice memes, photos, pictures, tweet, comments, whatever. It's super fun. So if you like the content you're getting on the show, please feel free to look at us at home and do all that fun stuff. And as always, you can drop us a line in our email pad at themarvelous at gmail.com. So, uh, let's get into where you guys can listen to the podcast. That's the next the next big thing. Uh, you're listening now. We're everywhere. Our RSS feed is all over the internet. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, um, really anywhere you get your shows. I listen to Google Podcasts chiefly and Spotify, but you can find us wherever. We're back, updated on Spotify for a while. We weren't, but we are now. Woo! So, you can find this episode and all the previous episodes and all the upcoming episodes on pretty much anywhere. And if there is a place that you want the podcast that you can't find it, drop us an email, drop us a comment, whatever. And be sure to give us a like, comment, subscribe, shout out, follow, whatever, what, whatever you can afford. I know we're just after Christmas, so we're not really in the giving season anymore, but just give us a little 
a morsel of love. And uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. And without further ado, we're going to get into the show. Um, so today we actually have a lot of really cool guests that we had the opportunity to interview um, recently as a kind of an homage to what would have been Stanley's birthday on December 28th. Stan was born in 1922, and he recently passed away. Um, so it's still fresh in everybody's minds, especially in the comic book community. But we're trying to commemorate this with just some interviews that focus on the people's lives themselves, what they were creating and things, but also on how Stan impacted their lives. So um, without further ado, I'm going to get into a little introductions, and then we'll get you that content. All right, so we are going to be getting in to some of these interviews. So just a little preface, if you're curious where these interviews were recorded, um, Peter and Eddie went to the Big Apple Comic Con in New York recently, and they had the opportunity to see a lot of people, a lot of really fun comic creators, a lot of really interesting cosplayers, and a bunch of really cool panels. And they got to talk to some really interesting people that have affected the community a lot in recent years. And all those people have a lot to say about Stan. Since Stan was such a important voice and mind in the community for such a long time. So the first interview that they have for you today is Michael Uslan, um, who you may know him. He's a producer. He's produced a majority of the Batman films you've ever seen, if not all of them. He also worked on the old Swamp Thing uh, movie and, and the sequel to that. Uh, and most recently and most notably, he worked on The Joker, which was a smash hit this year. So a um, little different, not Marvel, DC, but still. Um, so uh, Peter had a really good time interviewing uh, Michael Uslan. So without further ado, this is going to be the interview. I don't want to spoil too much, so let's hit it. Right with you. All right, we are joined right now at Big Apple Con with the producer of a franchise that has made billions upon billions of dollars, and especially recently with a certain movie about a guy named Joe Kerr or something. But first off, congratulations on that, Mr. Michael Uslan. Thank you very, very much. Um, you know, it's uh, an amazing thing when you find a filmmaker who has a love for a character, a passion for a character knows a character and has a vision and knows how to execute the vision. Todd Phillips is a master of the craft and it's just amazing what he has created because it changes the entire world's perception of superheroes and supervillains and it changes once more the way comic book movies can be made. Um, one of the things I'm most proud of in terms of legacy is this is the third time a Batman-related movie has reinvented what a comic book movie can be. We did it with our revolutionary Batman 89. It was done again with Dark Knight Trilogy and now with Joker. And um, that's really amazing. I recently got to experience the Dark Knight in IMAX when they did the re-release earlier that summer. Yeah. And when I saw the tickets on sale, I was like, you know what? I think they're going to be on early accidentally. They were on early accidentally, and I got my ticket. And it was already at like a filled-up theater, like 15 minutes early. That's so good job, by the way, on that one as well. Well, you know, you, you got to give credit where credit is due. You know, we've had filmmakers, Tim Burton, Chris Nolan, Todd Phillips. There, there have been so many great people. And you know who just doesn't get enough of the spotlight is 
all the folks who work on the Batman animation. Dini and all them? Um, well, it starts with President of Warner Animation, Sam Register, Andrea Romano, who is the queen of voice casting and voice direction, Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, Eric Radomski, Alan Brenner, so many great people who have worked on that. And uh, as I always tell Mark Hamill, if we ever build a Mount Rushmore for the Joker, it's going to be Nicholson, Ledger, Phoenix, and Hamill. Yeah. And they all deserve to be up there. That's my pick as well. And with, you know, the reinventions of some of these things, in the early 2000s, you were involved with another reinvention. Somebody who really wasn't at the Distinguished Competition for a while, but the man himself, Stan Lee. What was it like working alongside him? It was dream come true time. The man was my idol. He became my mentor. He became my friend. He became my creative uh, associate. And for me to be able to bring him to DC Comics uh, to do Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, etc., as if he had created them at Marvel was pretty earth-shaking. Um, and that all started at the premiere of our first Batman movie in 1989. Uh, thanks. So every star in Hollywood was there. Yeah. Bob Kane was there with, with Stan Lee. So I didn't care about any star in Hollywood. I was hanging out with Stan and Bob. Right. And um, the two of them get into this thing. And Stan starts to give it to Bob. And he goes, you know, Bob, if I had been the writer of Batman, I really could have made a success out of this thing. <laughs> so Bob says, well, Stan, if I had been the artist on Spider-Man, you might have had a movie by now. And as oh. they're talking, I'm, I'm standing there thinking, oh my God, what would Batman by Stan Lee at Marvel have been like? What would that have been? And then I'm thinking, what would Superman or Wonder Woman be with Stan? So that's where it began that night. Um, 1989. 89. 12 years in the making, essentially. Uh, it was a long time in the making. And the day finally came when I said to Stan, you know, what would you think of me bringing you over to DC to reinvent all these characters? He goes, they'll never go for that. Don't be crazy. I said, well, what if I could get him to do it? He goes, they'll never go for it. I said, do you have, do I have your permission to find out? And he goes, well, yeah, but he goes, it's crazy. They'll never go for it. So I then go meet with my friend Paul Levitz, whom I've known since we were kids. And I run this thing by him. I go, what do you think? And Paul said, I can't think of anything that would be more fun. So I came back to Stan, I said, they want to do it. And he goes, wait a minute. He goes, that would be like bringing the president of Coca-Cola to Pepsi to take the Pepsi challenge, and then he picks Pepsi. Or bringing Henry Ford to GM to make cars at GM. I go, Stan, it's going to be a great opportunity for you, and we will assemble the greatest artists past, present, and future, guys who are just breaking out, who are going to be really prominent in the years to come, and guys who are classic in the business. And then everybody wanted in. We had John Buscema, Jim Lee, Joe Kubert, 
Um, Jerry Ordway. Jerry Ordway, Dave Gibbons, um, John Cassidy, Walt Simonson. Uh, the list just goes on and on and on. Everybody wanted on board, and it when was you, really amazing. When you mentioned Buscema, wasn't that one of the final things he did with Stan? It was Stan? the last thing he did. Wow. It was his last work. Competition. So I am in Stan's office when Buscema's Superman artwork comes in. And he opens it up, and he's looking at this artwork. He goes, oh, my God, look at this. This guy is still one of the best of the best. This is great. He's amazing. I just love the guy. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Points to a, a page <coughs> and said, he got this one all wrong. He said, I wanted Superman flying, coming right out to the people. And he did it, and he goes, this is wrong. He's got to change this. So he said, all right, here, Michael. He gives me the original artwork. Then he goes to his desk, he gets a piece of tissue paper and tape. Tapes the tissue paper of it and hands me a pen. Oh my God. He goes, do the panel borders. So I do the panel borders, and he goes, now, break it out. And, and, and I'm doing this. He goes, now, I want you to draw in there a scene of Superman flying like this. I go, Stan, yeah, I, I can't really do it. He goes, no, 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 you can do that. I'll show you. And with that, he gets on his couch and puts one foot up on the end table, almost knocks over a lamp. <laughs> and he's standing there and he goes, all right, draw this. Now, I knew from all my years that that's, the sh that's what he used to do with Jack Kirby. Yeah. And they'd be all over the furniture and Jack would be, you know, do and I'm sitting there, and I'm doing this over John Buscema's artwork. I'm doing this, and I'm going, Jesus Christ, I'm fucking Jack Kirby here. This is amazing. And it, it was absolutely one of the highlights of my time with Stan. Mike, here's a cigar. That's what we're trying to set up fly. I can't think of how many, and I just have to come across those Just Imagine books that just, you know, happen Any idea how many there were? When they yeah, there were 13, and they're being reprinted in March, I believe, uh, in a series of, I think it's trade paperbacks. Correct. And uh, they also published an omnibus, a hardback omnibus of all of them, which was great. Once again, this is also partially Eddie's way of... Okay, how many of these books do I still need to get from yeah. my collection? Well, the, the one you have to remember that people forget is right in the middle, there were six and six, in the middle was Secret Files. I think I have that one. And it's the Secret Files that kind of cements the thing, and it's an important link to it. I always thought the coolest one, though, like cover-wise, was the Flash one. That was gorgeous. Is that the use of rainbows and everything? That was Stan's idea, to have her have something in her helmet that would be like colorful streamers or something, so when she ran, you would get a rainbow effect. Yeah. And, uh, and he went for that. He also was determined that she'd be a young girl. So, Michael, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my kids try to get me kicking and screaming to actually join the 21st century. Um, and they're trying to get me to do other things, but right now I'm comfortable with Facebook and Instagram. Um, You're a fun Facebook follow, by the way. I've been checking out all your updates. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, I'll do stuff on history. I'll do stuff on the status of our projects. Um, I'll do a lot of fun stuff. 
too. Rarity stuff. I've also noticed one page will reshare your posts every once in a while, the unofficial Michael Keaton Academy of Getting Nuts, and that is my favorite page on Facebook as well. And God, there's there's so much I would love to talk to you about with this, but we're, we're short on time. However, we'd love to have you on. Obviously, we're the Marvelists. But maybe we can make an exception and be the DCS every once in a while. Well, so, you know, please, you know, if there's a last word I'm going to say right, here, it's you younger whippersnappers um, don't know what it was like for us old farts when we were kids collecting comic books and buying comics. We were fans of everything. I read every Marvel and loved it. I read every DC and loved it. I read Charlton Comics, Dell Comics, Gold Key. Mighty Comics, Harvey Comics, Classics Illustrated, um, ACG, absolutely everything. And I don't even begin to understand how you could be a real hardcore fan and love one and not yeah. enjoy the other. I so I don't get that. So you you bring me on, I can talk Marvel with you all day. Heck yeah. Mr. Mr. Uslan, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll do one that's a little less frenetic uh, time and place. And, uh, and thanks, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. And one last big thank you to Michael Uslan. Um, for our next interview here, we have a little joint interview with Danny Fingeroth and Jim Salakrub, um, two editors, uh, you know, writers in their own way. Uh, Danny uh, Fingeroth, is an American comic book writer and editor. He's worked on as an editor for a lot of the Spider-Man titles. He's also worked on Superman titles as a writer. Um, and most recently, or a notable thing he did recently too, is working on the story of Stanley, the, uh, A Marvelous Life is what the book is called, um, which is just a, a book on the life of Stanley that was written um, by Danny Fingeroff. Um, Jim Salakrup has worked on, he worked for years editing Uncanny X-Men, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Spider-Man, uh, Tales of the Crypts, all that kind of stuff. So the two of them are really funny. It was a really good uh, it was a really fun uh, interview, and they had a great time just riffing, talking about Stan, as well as the work that they're doing. So without further ado, let's get into it. I like those, uh, I guess, the Deadpool, the action, the Magneto. Okay, well, that's all the time we have, so I hope you enjoyed that. We are joined at the hip with Jim Salakrup and Danny Fingeroff. Guys, how are you today? We're unbelievably great. I'm personally smurftastic. Now, that, that's quite a thing to be. It, it sure is. Now, are you, is it because you're in blue right now? No, it's because Paper Cuts, where I'm the editor-in-chief, publishes the Smurfs. And uh, yes, uh, would I lie to you? We've been doing it uh, for about 10 years now. And, uh, and they're going to keep doing it until they get it right. Well, I, I, I hope so. Of course, yes. It's kind of funny because you might saw up with them and Paul Copperberg down there was the WWE Kids magazine. Yes, he was. So there's that connection. That's really about it. There's not much that is. Not much, not much. And I, of course, am here. I'm holding my, my new biography of Stan Lee close to the recorder. 
It's called A Marvelous Life, The Amazing Story of Stan Lee, and it just came out this month from St. Martin's Press Macmillan. It is an unauthorized biography of Stan from an insider point of view, and I got lots of interviews with Stan himself and many other people, like Jim Sally grew up in Neil Adams, and you name him, I got him. But it's the first... It's the first real biography of Stan to come out since his death. Did you speak with Moon Knight? With Moon Knight? I did not speak with Moon Knight. Did you speak with Mark Spector about Moon Knight? <laughs> so, I spoke with Frenchie and Marlene. See, that's, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, he knows everything. Yeah, Frenchie. And I, when I say everyone, I mean all of Mark's personality. He does, he does. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> of course, we're the Marvelous. We'll be remiss to not talk about Marvel-related things. What was your introduction to the Marvel brand in general? Mine was, uh, I only found this out in retrospect, it was reading Millie the Model in the barbershop when I was a kid. So it was, uh, you know, Stan had written it, and I think probably Stan Goldberg drew it, and it had a lot of the same kind of wisecracks and, and puns that, uh, that Stan brought into the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. Stan was responsible for a lot of puns. He was, a lot of puns, and, you know, Stan loved humor, he loved, he loved taking photos of politicians or movie stars and putting captions on them. He made a whole book about that. It was called, called, well, you don't say it was the magazine, but he also did one, a a presidential one, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. That might also have been called, you don't say. I have to look it up. That came came out about 10 years ago. Yeah, he loved doing that. You know, and and then my official entry was Fantastic Four number four. Yes, I'm that old. The one with the Submariner coming back. Oh my god. I actually reread, I've been going through those in the X-Men. And uh-huh. I've read your stuff, by the way. The uh, Dark Phoenix, I read it. I he's po- he's pointing at Jim Salagrum. Yes, yes. To inform the, the audio podcast. The audio podcast. Yes, yes. yes. well. Wow. Real quick, it's called Election Days. That's it, it, yes. Days is spelled D-A-Z-E. That's the humor. That's why it's funny. Yes, yes. It's a pun. It's a play on words. That one was a book. It was. That was. Yes. The, I don't. Was that one included in your book? It was not. I did not mention election days. Dan, Stan did so much. He did so much. Virtually, I include, I, I, anytime I listen to anything, these, these are just a fraction. Exactly. Exactly. Not a mad fraction. Wow. <laughs> That's a chip off the old Zdarsky. There you go. <laughs> but in regards to you know, you just mentioned about how Miller Model was technically your entryway. Stan wrote hundreds and hundreds of stories of Millie the Model and Tessie the Typist and uh, my pal Irma. I don't know if he wrote hundreds of stories of Tessie the Typist. Maybe not, but overall, Stan wrote a lot of kind of wacky humor stories and funny animal stories. He did something called The Imp with Chad Grothkopf in the even before he went into the Army in 1941. The Imp was a character who spoke in all of rhyming verse. So kind of like a friendly version of Extra Pretty much. Perhaps it was an influence on Kirby. Well, it did. Yeah, Stan did all sorts. Stan wrote hundreds and hundreds of stories. Most of, I don't know, most of many of them, probably half of them, not superheroes. He wrote horror stories and westerns, detective stories, uh, and a lot of, a lot of humor, a lot of things that were sort of, you know, Georgie, you know, whatever Marvel's version of Archie was. 
Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Michael Vassallo, who was uh, one of the Yancey Street gang, did a, researched it on his blog, and he, he accounted for pretty much every story Stan ever wrote before 1961. Can you do me a favor, Danny? Yes. And talk to the Yancey Street gang and tell them, leave Ben Grimm alone. <laughs> Joke's over. You guys should grow up. I'm sorry. You know, I think it's kind of... I think they, I think the reason it had to be said. I think the reason they bug him is because they really love him. I never thought of it that way. This man, this man is full of countless <laughs> insights, as perceptive and probing as what you it's just witnessed right here. It's kind of like when you like right you, you pull a girl's pigtails in grade school, but that you really you think you know something all your life, and then you read something and go, "Oh, how could I have missed that?" I love how you're defending the thing, though, right in front of your thing illustration. Yeah, as well. Well, this is the sort of the, uh, the non-violent, uh, non-violent. Yeah, well, you know. So, I first became aware of Marvel uh, <laughs> in the mid-60s, because first I was uh, introduced to, like, say, the DC comics, because there was a Superman TV show on all the time, and at the end they'd say, based on the character. So, I'm, right. I'm like a vampire. I have to be invited. So, I really wasn't in on the early days of Marvel until the Marvel cartoons came out. I do have one, yes, right. and uh, okay. a cape. You know, I, I don't have a cow, but uh, so back when I was in grade school and when the uh, Marvel Superheroes cartoon show was on, other kids, you know, were reading those those comics, and it was completely new to me. And that's when I sort of jumped on, which was kind of awkward because I was used to the DC comics where they would always have. You know, complete story. Whereas Marvel, you felt like at that point you were coming in the middle of a movie. But they, they, I somehow got caught up, and I loved it. And you know, and my dream became if I could work at Marvel Comics and live in Manhattan. That's all I want. And I wound up working for Marvel when I was 15 years old. And maybe a few years later, I, I was even able to move into Manhattan, where I've been ever since. And like, you mentioned about how the whole aspect of getting back, getting into a Marvel comic, like, oh, there's so much, like, I'll figure it out. That is the best thing about what Stan's philosophy was. Any issue can be someone's first. Right. But so they always, so he always explained just enough for you to understand what was going on. But it was very exciting to come in in the middle. It wasn't daunting. It was, oh my God, not only is this cool thing I'm reading, but there's 50 issues before it that I now can catch up on. You know, it was very, it, 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 that whole idea of it having to be an issue number one, that was years in the future, you know? Well, in 1968 was a highlight because that's when Marvel was expanding its line. Right. So Heidi McDonald guest starring on this interview, entrusting her life. Oh, I'm sorry. Her life works. No, no, I'm kidding. You're cameo appearance. You're the Stan Lee of uh, podcast cameos now. You all know Heidi from the Beat. The world preeminent uh, website about comics. Yeah, it's her. She has to do an important panel right now. 
she did not kill Tom Spurgeon. Okay. So it was 1968, and that's when a whole bunch of, you know, like uh, Marvel was able to expand its title. So suddenly there were number one books. There was Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., number, number one. one. By that guy right there in 1968, for crying out loud. And I loved it. And there was Samaritan, number one, by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. But there were was, number one issues that were, that were numbered 102. Yeah, because they kept the, the, the numbering from, from Tales to Astonish and Tales from Suspense. So the first issue of Captain America was number 100? 101, I think. 101. What a number to start off with. <laughs> But it was, uh, so yeah, like those were great. They had Origins, that caught me up. And there was a up. rare Iron Man and Submariner issue. Just one. Yeah, only one, because when they, somehow when they expanded the titles, the characters of their own titles, there were these orphan continued stories, right? It was very odd. Yeah. There is this thing called the internet that will give you summaries <laughs> of the stories. It's funny sometimes when you end up seeing summaries for these things, and they'll be, how do I say, it's confusing? Well, not really confusing, but like the, the summaries will be longer than, than the, the story. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot to, well, be, a lot to catch a lot up of it on. Is, a lot of it is based on like 50 year old continuity yeah. that has to be, you know, it's probably more elegant ways to do it, but I guess if you. If you think somebody needs to know all these details, yes, that can be that can be daunting. Hello, how you doing? Hey, how are you, Mr. Brown? Good, how are you? The legendary writer of Deadpool Falls and Spider-Man. It's true, thank you. Hello, this is my new book. This is new book. Yeah. And it's available for sale. Oh, oh, I'm tapped out there. He also wrote uh, Superman on the Couch. I that did. Really good too. Thank you. Well, if you like that, you'll love this. Well, there's only one, only one way to find out. <laughs> Ruben, you do realize this is your debut on the podcast. Oh, are we the Big Apple? Yes. Hello, uh, podcasters. Oh, okay. Or something like that. All right. After I do it, well, I'll do it while I'm being interviewed. No, no. You're here. Okay. How are you? A big hello to everybody out there. I went to two other people. Both of them went out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, no, no. Bob, that was great, Bob White. Thank you, everybody. I'm not out I, 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 and pencils I too. So. And he acts. And he's acts. I heard about that. Let's see what we can do. We'll I don't know. I don't know if I uh, did a good job. Ultimately, it says. Well, nobody, uh, but who would know he got it wrong? Yeah. So I said, Big Apple Art Auction. Larry, Larry Lee. Coming in house. Okay. Anyway, so where were we? It's a good thing you can. Okay. Don't worry. What street is it on? Uh, 34, 34th and 8th. Yes. What, what are the uh, diagonally across from Madison Square Garden, sort of. The God I read? The God. Yeah. I, I was here uh, a few weeks back to go see the Misfits live at the Garden. Really? It was a concert. There was music. Wow. Who are the Misfits? Their band? Did you say? Yeah, uh, the Misfits. Oh, the Misfits? The original lineup with Glenn Danzig, and he was happy by that. Oh, wow. He was actually Not the Miskites, the Misfits, yeah. The Misfits. That's what you were doing. So what brought you into the world of comics? So Let's turn, I, turn the tables on the podcast. I back uh, in 94, I was like, getting, back, getting into comics for the first time, reading uh-huh. like, Disney Adventures, and they would throw in Jeff Smith's own comic, Big Groomy a Bone, and right. I was reading that, I got to discover that. Okay. And then I, I couldn't get into 
Yeah. This is an adult comic book. I don't know if I can understand this. Yes, it's an adult comic book with people in spandex punching each other. Exactly. Yes. There's some, there's That's an adult, adult too. Yes. Just the punch. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an art auction. Yeah. My my main introduction to Marvel stuff was the animated stuff. So it was well, Spider-Man sense, 94, yeah. X-Men 92. You might have to redo this. And I was I was a consultant on the Spider-Man 94 show. They wrote, they rewrote and rewrote and rewrote. This is the days before the internet, and I would still get delivered like three different scripts, three or four different versions of a script every week. And I couldn't keep up. I just read them as many as I could. But it was good. It was good to people. Got him. John Semper was the showrunner, and he did a great job. And Stan was involved. Uh, they, but they tried very hard to be true to the comics. So I, I appreciated that. Javier yeah, Rod was involved with it. What I love about the animated series is that one, X-Men 92, there's just, they were very loyal to the source of the series. Yeah, they were, well, they, they hired people who, they were still trying to sell toys, but they definitely hired people who were into the, it, it understood the way the characters um, important. How many Spider-Mobiles do you think were sold? The little bundle? I have no idea. Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Uh, I think the Thanos copter. Yeah. Oh, God. And you heard that supposedly they referenced that in Endgame. Yes. The, oh. The thing he's holding, that blade. Oh, that's funny. That's the, uh, the helicopter blade. I I've I, I, I only and, seen and it who, one time. who created the Thanos copter? Was it Jim Salagrup? That was you. Spidey Superstories. I love that. Look now, it up. Now, why are you writing a sign on the back of our sign? I, I that's our sign. Oh, that's our sign. That's no, another... Criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. They are. That, I learned that, that from a certain colleague, man. That includes Thanos, yes. I'm surprised that hasn't been a cosplay yet at a Comic Con. Someone dressed up as Thanos and then two police officers arresting him. Oh, God. Well, that, my, my also with the Thanos from that story of Spider Super, Spidey Super Stories. They have, uh, like, they've referenced the Thanos copy in more recent comics as well. Yeah. Really? They had, him, they had him show up in Deadpool, and I just love how it says, Starlin is not crazy about it for some reason. No, really? Uh, well, how, how else but he's going? getting the royalties on those toys. And he, he, he says, oh, I hate cashing these checks on the uh, Thanos copy. Right. I say, well, you give them to me. <laughs> how, do, how else will Thanos people get from point A to point B? How, that's true. You know, where else? What is, what is he going to do? What was the Thanos unicycle? <laughs> See, I would love to watch him juggling too. That would be, you know, he's, he's, he can't always be destroying half the universe. Sometimes he's got to relax. He needs hobbies. The man needs hobbies. He needs to endorse a beer, I think. He's got his farming. Right, if, you, if Thanos endorsed a beer. What kind of mic would it be an IPA? You know, what is, what is an IPA? What is that? What, what Intellectual that? property uh, something. Agreement. I know it's a kind of beer, but what, what makes it different from just beer? Happy? 
So that would be like a hop along Cassidy kind of uh, brand. What about stout? So I think I think stout is more of a stout kind of guy. Good <laughs> gentlemen. Yes, I, I know. We're, I know we're fascinating your audience. No, 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 it's fine. But Rosebud was the sled. But, yeah. Good spoilers. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Be ashamed of yourself. I am uh, DannyFingeroth.com would be. The way to find me. You're a website now? I do. It's DannyFingerout.com. And I'm on Facebook. Well, that's true. I always thought it was a child. Well, that's it. That, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a symbol. Yeah, some people yeah. had other ideas. I said, well, the Rosebud, the, 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 the actual name Rosebud is a whole other thing. All right. Mary and Davies. Yes. I, I have my website. I'm in the process of updating it. And, uh, and, and my Stanley biography, A Marvelous Life, is on sale everywhere. At Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local independent bookstore, your local comic book shop. Good luck. So. And Jim, yourself? How can people get a hold of you on the worldwide interwebs? Uh, there's a Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, other two best ways. And uh, if they want to go to papercutswithaz.com, uh, they can see what I've been up to lately. What makes the Z so special? In the paper cuts. I have no idea. Because it's got because you wouldn't get a paper cut on an S, but a Z has those sharp is, edges. Is. A Z oh, is much sharper. That's an excellent answer, Dan. Yeah, thank you. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Thank you, sir. And we liked it too. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to both of them once again for that great interview. And lastly, here we have an interview with some of the creators. Uh, writers and general uh, production team for Stanley's last big work, uh, A Trick of Light, in the Alliance's book. And that was the last thing he actually was working on in his time with us here. So I don't want to take away too much from them, but that's a really great interview that talks about the creative process behind what Stan was doing last and what they all got to do with him. So without further ado, here is that interview. All righty, this is day three of New York Comic Con. Is also available, I believe, on Audible, correct? Mm -hmm. So, if you can, read it, listen to it. Consume it as many ways as humanly possible. Just don't put it in the blender, because that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but enjoy it. And it is, I believe, the final work of Stanley. It's a, yeah, it's one of the last things. One of the last things he was working on, for sure. It was, it was also completed uh, while he was with us. Right on. Now, before we get into everything, the creative process and all that, we want to introduce you all. So, going from left to right, yourself. I'm Ryan Silbert. I'm one of the co-creators of Alliances. I'm Kat Rosenfield, co-author. Luke Lieberman, co-creator. Now, first off, it's, it's a standard question for this book. What was it like working alongside Stan the Man? Um, I guess speaking as someone, because I, 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 I've known Stan since I was a film student. Um, so I knew him since I was about 20. And uh, for me, the difference, it was a difference because he was always sort of mentoring me. But it was the difference between kind of reading Bilbo's novel and going with Gandalf off to meet Smog. Um, it was, you know, you were you were working with the most experienced storyteller in the world at that point. Right. And he had a way because you'll you know see in the book we go a lot of different 
interesting places, uh, you know, deals with different realities. Um, but no matter how sort of elaborate you would try to get with the story, he would always bring you back to the characters. And he would just say, if you care about the characters, you will follow them anywhere. The audience connects with the characters, they'll go on the journey. And if, if they don't, then it doesn't really matter how much spectacle there is. His enthusiasm was really infectious. It was impossible, you know, to, to be in a creative space with him, working with him, and not also just become incredibly excited about all of the, you know, amazing things that were happening. Um, and we had this great bullpen, you know, bi-coastal team of nerds working together to bring this story to life. Um, and, you know, the, the things that happened when we were all together in one space, bouncing ideas off of each other, um, it, was, it was incredibly exciting to create something fresh and innovative. I think in your fan, like, there's a, um, like Luke was saying, you know, I came at it from a fan perspective, and what was cool is, like, you discover that Stan's a fan himself of so much stuff. And, like, it gives you permission, then, to sort of fan out a little bit and also input your own... Um, love of stories that and into the story that we were trying to craft together and that's part of it I mean the guy is a master pop culture enthusiast and historian and creator and he's he was always so passionate about like like you said as many different forms of media as humanly possible and he would embrace them in every single way you know with that now with a trick of light tell the audience at home what the book is about so in A Trick of Light, um, you meet two young people, Cameron and Mia, um, both of whom are gifted digitally and digital natives. Um, and uh, Cameron is an aspiring YouTube star um, looking for connection online. Mia is a gifted hacker with a mysterious past who has a million friends on social media, but nobody who actually knows her. And the two of them together form a connection um, that's so powerful that it could save the world or it could destroy it. The, um, the universe alliances is built off of this question, which is the what if question that comes from sort of the Marvel style that Stan had created, which is what if? And his question here was, what is more real, the world we're born into or the one we create for ourselves? Which he says in the introduction to the Audible original, he said, he, and he writes in the introduction to the Trick of Light. And I think what's cool about the novel, and you'll start seeing it, is we start expanding those ideas. And you'll see sort of roadmaps for where the Alliance's universe can go, because Trick of Light is an introduction to these characters, an introduction to this universe. And you, you, you know, one of the things that he was, you know, as he was approaching the internet, when, when, when I first met him and, and when we were kind of, the internet was in its infancy, he saw it, he saw the potential for it to connect people and connect ideas, and you know, when we, 15, 16 years later when we were ideating around this project, he became much more aware of how he was actually isolating and dividing people and, and creating these sort of bubbles around them. And how essentially, you know, we needed to get back to connecting as human beings. Um, and when you meet the characters, they're all searching for that, right? I mean, the reason that Cameron wants to be a YouTube star is because he wants to connect with people. And then when he gets, when he goes viral and, and he realizes that that's not what he wants at all, it makes him more misunderstood and, and isolated than ever. And Nia is, is a very, she's got a million friends online, but no actual friends. And, and they're ultimately connect with each other. Because what they really want is to find a connection with another, you know, a soul connection with another being. Right. Now in regards to working alongside Stan, 
What were some like the most important lessons you learned from him during the process of all of this? I would say, I mean, I actually started out kind of focused on character. I mean, what he would do was kind of cut through a lot of the noise because when you're building out universe, when you're doing world building, you can you start jumping down a lot of rabbit holes and going in and kind of creating more and more elaborate. And he would just kind of keep it all grounded in, in the characters and having very sort of real interactions with the world and how, how would you as a person actually respond to you know, meeting a uh, an alien that views you as a lower life form and wants to eat your lungs. Like, how would you react to that situation? Um, some of the other things he would keep you focused on is that, you know, as Ryan described, you know, he had his influences. He loved Sherlock Holmes. He loved uh, Errol Flynn and all the rest of that. But even though nothing is completely original, he wanted, you had to, if it wasn't new, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, you'd say the hardest thing to do is, is to tell a story that people haven't heard before, to give them something genuinely new. And he would, he wouldn't compromise on that. Like he wouldn't, if he if he'd heard it, if it sound recycled, it wasn't interesting to him, and he would he wouldn't, you know, he'd want to go a different direction. I remember the uh, creator Mark Miller, the one who does Kick-Ass, Kingsman, and stuff like that. He talked to Mark before he left Marvel, and he said. When I was around your age, I was making things like the X-Men, I was making this. I wasn't copying someone else. I wasn't like you know, sticking to something somebody already made. I made my own thing. I you know, blazed that trail. Yeah. And that's what I see what you guys are doing as well. You're making your own thing, making this to go forward as an original idea. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And, it, and what I learned from him and just being around him, but also when you really look at his career, because you bring up Fantastic Four and X-Men, I mean, he did not break on Fantastic Four until he was 39 years old. And then between 39 and 41, he creates Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Iron Man. I mean, it's unbelievable. And that's, he had a career before that in comic books for 20 years. Yeah, like Millie the Model. exactly. I mean, he's a very romantic um, author, and he's writing big stories. It, it, 20 years it took him to get to that point. People forget that. They think he's an overnight sensation. And then until that point, from the 60s on until now, it wasn't until the 2000s where he became an internationally recognized um, star. Okay. And that's, you know, you can always reinvent. And I think that's what I learned from him is that there's always possibility. You know, nothing yeah. is, no door is closed. Can I drop some trivia too? Because I don't know if everybody knows, but when he was drafted into the Army, he's like one of the few people that was ever uh, deemed a playwright by the U.S. Army. Yeah. And it was like him and like Dr. Seuss and like... Frank Capra. And that like, is, I mean, that is a like, biggest way to be The idea that three. he was gifted enough that the U.S. Army said, okay, this is going to yeah. be your job. I mean, I guess they looked at him and said, we're not putting you into combat. And he was like 150 pounds soaking wet. But, yeah, yeah <laughs> but, they're I mean, single men or something. But. Yeah, but it pretty worked on uh, Captain America then. Yeah. You know. Right. And for me, the, the big lesson of working with Stan was you know, discovering the kind of joy of collaboration. Um, you know, I came to this project from a background in literary fiction, um, not in comic books. And, um, you know, as far as I was concerned, writing a book is was always this really lonely thing. It's, you know, you go into, you go into like a cave and you do it all by yourself for two years. And at the end, you emerge and, you know, maybe you've made something, but you, you have no idea. No one's seen it. You know, nobody, nobody has been able to give you any feedback. So to kind of learn how amazing it is and how joyful it is to create as a team sport um, was something that I'm looking forward to kind of taking, taking with me into the next stage of my career. Now before we wrap this up, I want to ask each of you, what do you see as the future of alliances? Ryan? Well, um, <laughs> at SDCC, we um, 
announced that we have a greenlit project as an Audible original coming in 2020. Um, but here at NYCC, we're excited to announce that we're continuing our collaboration with CAT on a to-be-decided uh, expansion of alliances. So. We, go ahead. Oh, I mean, well, that was that was you know kind of my line, um, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I mean, Sorry I think I think that what we what we've discovered with this universe is that it is so ripe for different kinds of media. You know, we've done the audiobook, we've done the print version, and we've discovered that you know the ideas here are flexible, um, you know, across multiple different forms. And I think, you know, obviously universes tend to expand and that's what we've created here is a new universe. So moving forward, I think, you know, we can expect to see a lot of interesting and different and innovative things happening. Um, yeah, this was a multi-year, I mean, we were, when we first started the world building, um, it wasn't necessarily to make it an audiobook or a novel or a movie or whatever we, we literally just started world building and you know the idea you know from Stan's perspective is you know once we've built the world I guess we'll figure out what to do with it and so there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of characters and plot lines and kind of the larger story of where the Alliance's universe is going that we've designed with him we kind of have that roadmap um, and we're just gonna you know work work from it as the foundation to, to, to build the Alliance's universe in the way that I think Stan wanted us to. Absolutely. So now before we go, how can people get a hold of each of you on social media? Well, I'm, I also own um, the Red Sonja character, so Red Sonja Official is the easiest way to get a hold of me. I am at Kat Rosenfield, just my name, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And Ryan Silbert, just my name too, on Twitter and Instagram. Very cool. MySpace. 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 What? <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you all for your time. Thank you. And a big thank you once again to everybody that was on the show today, all the different guests, all their time, um, both at the convention and doing interviews with us as well, because I know that they're all very busy, as well as everybody else, um, especially this time of year in the holiday season. So today's episode was meant to really give... A, a good start to the new year with some nice quality interviews, and B, to talk a little bit more about Stan and his, I mean, how big the ripple he's, he has is has gone off. He, he's one of the, you know, fathers of this whole movement that's gotten so big, and so it's really important to keep him in our memory and to keep him in the conversation, because all the things he did are still echoing out today, and it's not, you know, his legacy is living and breathing inside of everybody that's a comic book fan, so... Just one last big thank you um, to everybody that joined today, uh, and we would love to be seeing you for the next episode of The Marvelous. So if you want to get a hold of us, go back to the beginning if you need to. We have links to all the socials in our page. Thanks and excelsior.